This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas. It's been a booming August for real estate, so what does this month, traditionally a busy month for buyers and sellers, hold in store? We seek out the advice of our top-shelf expert, John Carlson of 2% Realty. And with kids back to school, daycare costs, uncertain job prospects, a lot of people are looking at life insurance and other ways to financially defend against the pandemic. To that, we've invited Chris Sabat, Chief Legal Counsel with Macmillan Estate Planning, to weigh in. So much of what we outlay every month is to just keep a roof over our head, and this week, the B.C. government said it plans to end its freeze on rent hikes beginning in December. And beginning in 2021, landlords will be able to raise rents by a maximum 1.4%. Considering landlords have expenses, too, this will help them raise revenue to make repairs and maintain safe housing. With kids going back to school, there are a lot of questions, primarily keeping everyone safe from COVID. This week, the province said it will divert $242 million it got from the feds to the province's 60 school districts and leave each district to decide what to do with the extra dough. Depending on the district, it may go toward hiring more teachers and enhancing remote learning. However you cut it, teachers and parents are worried about self-distancing. If it's any consolation, the province is also providing two reusable masks for each student. There's a small but growing petition calling on the province to make masks mandatory in all public places. But even without that edict, we're doing pretty well when it comes to mask wearing. TransLink said this week a whopping 92% of its customers are now wearing masks. If the long weekend means a ferry ride, mandatory there as well. And a number of retailers now require masks. IKEA, Whole Foods, Starbucks, to name three biggies. There is hope, however slim, the Vancouver Aquarium which said this week it will shutter its doors on the 8th of this month, that it will come back with a better business model that will stem its million-dollar-a-month losses. Last day for the aquarium, this Monday, tickets are sold out. Although stock markets are looking up and the world is starting to reopen, the stark reality that things can change again in a heartbeat is not lost on most of us. While many of us, uh, before the recent events, uh, may have avoided things like estate planning or put it off for a rainy day, uh, many of us are now more aware of our mortality and looking for ways to protect ourselves in the future. And that's where estate planning comes into play. Joining us today, Chris Sabat, who's been practicing estate planning for years and knows all the tricks of the trade that can help us. Chris Sabat is general counsel of Macmillan Estate Planning, macmillanestate.com. Welcome again, Chris. How are you? I'm great, and how about yourself? I'm doing awesome as we uh, attempt to enjoy a long weekend, but not lost on any of us is that I guess this is uh, heading into flu season and COVID. Uh, We could be in for a double uh, pandemic here, and as the introduction uh, rightly states, uh, we are learning a lot about our mortality. What are some of the estate planning strategies and solutions uh, that you see a lot of wealthier individuals both exploring and implementing currently, Chris? Yeah, you know that's a that's a great question. So you know a lot of you know a lot of the families that we're working with, they're sort of going back to the basics. They're dusting off you know any sort of estate planning that they've done in the past, and and having a look at you know whether or not there are opportunities to do things like minimize taxation or to um, sort of safeguard 
the value of, of their assets, you know, particularly those that are in the stock market. Um, you know, we, we've seen a nice, a nice run up over the last few weeks, but, um, you know, the last, last couple of days or last few days have shown just how fast things can turn south. And after our experience in sort of the March, April timeframe, that has a lot of people nervous. And so people are looking for things like, you know, principal guarantees to have some assurance as to what, what the value of their, their estate will be in retirement. And then, you know, also in the, the event they, they pass so that their plans for the children or, or their legacy as a whole can, can be met. The, the finances that they expect will actually be available. Well, I was looking at uh, an article this week, Chris, uh, life insurance, and I don't know how much Macmillan Estate Planning delves into the life insurance biz as part of a, you know, a financial portfolio defense strategy. But man, <laughs> they can't keep life insurance premiums on the shelves. They are flying out the door as more and more people are buying up life insurance. Is that something that you advise your clients to look at as part of a defensive strategy? Absolutely. You know, life insurance and some of the products that are offered under that sort of regulatory regime present some real real advantages from an estate planning perspective. And so, you know, first of all, there is the ability um, through some of these companies to lock in capital or to, to guarantee to obtain a, a principal guarantee in relation to our investments. The other thing to, to really keep in mind, and, and it, it has to do a lot with your age, sort of where you're at in life and you know what your plans are for your estate, but life insurance also offers some significant tax planning opportunities. And so when families are coming to us and they're looking for, for ways to minimize taxation in the future, you know, depending on the types of assets that they have, uh, you know, in their overall portfolio, sometimes life insurance is is one of the solutions that we turn to. Well, uh, this particular article suggests that uh, didn't matter how old you were, life insurance policy is always a good idea. And whether you have kids or not, it, it got me thinking because the the numbers of life insurance policies that are being sold amid this uh, pandemic crisis is just astronomical. Chris Sabat, General Counsel, Macmillan Estate Planning. MacmillanEstate.com is how you reach Chris for a little financial look at and uh, see what you can do to protect your financial security uh, as we wind our way through this pandemic. Uh, Long-distance toll-free number 1-833-266-6464. A couple of virtual seminars uh, with Macmillan Estate planning Wednesday, September the 16th at 530, uh, Wednesday, September 30th at 530. And you can contact Macmillan Estate Planning. Of course, these seminars are free. They are virtual, but you must register at macmillanestate.com. And you can ask all the experts, including Chris Sabat, uh, what you might want to do with your estate to safeguard it. You mentioned tax increases. Chris, what do you think is going to happen in that particular space? Well, you know, I think it, at the end of the day, there's going to have to be some sort of a tax increase unless unless we see a situation where the government benefits are, are hacked dramatically, um, you know, the supports that are traditionally provided by government to our society, the, the numbers just don't add up. You know, unfortunately, so much has been spent in relation to this, to the response to COVID, you know, at the end of the day, something's, something's going to have to happen. And, you know, that's that's one of the concerns that we see from 
for many of our families. They're wondering, you know, at the end of the day, you know, is there going to be some sort of an increase in relation to taxation on the principal residence, capital gains, inclusion rate? Um, so far, the government, you know, hasn't sing- signaled any sort of a, uh, a definitive tax increase, but it's on. It's certainly on everyone's mind as to, to what might happen. I was particularly shocked. In fact, I sent a letter to my member of parliament for my particular area. Uh, absolutely, one hundred and ten percent against a capital gains tax on your uh, principal residence. Uh, that has been floated and was uh, authored out here in British Columbia by by a university professor. And I thought, oh man, we got an an, an academic uh, now telling the government what to do with my estate, and it's not looking good. And that has thrown, I think, a fear into a lot of people as a capital gains on their principal residence uh, profit, albeit it might be minor, um, you know, one percent depending on the value of your home. But let's talk about some of the other taxation issues where the government might be able to pay for COVID. And I think the easiest thing to do is uh, uh, just raise a, a sales tax, you know, raise it by a couple of points or a point. And that way it's a, it's a user fee. You want to buy something, you got to pay a little bit extra for it. And you're not, uh, you know, coming down on uh, people who've worked hard and managed to save for a home. And I think, you know, uh, from your standpoint, Chris, because you're dealing with people who are worried, and I don't want to, you know, be one of those fear mongers, but everybody is worried about their financial security. What is the conversation like when they first talk to a Chris Sabat or any of your colleagues at McMillan Estate Planning that, you know what, we can take care of this for you? Yeah, you know, that, that's a fantastic question. You know, at the end of the day, you know, the, really the first question is, well, you know, what do we think will happen as far as what are the likely tax increases? And that's where we, you know, sort of immediately move to things like an increase in the capital gains inclusion rate. And, you know, one of the reasons that that that's uh, a common sort of theory as far as a potential tax increase is that the current government hasn't exactly been all that friendly as far as it relates to business owners, you know, professionals that that have things like professional corporations, you know, lawyers, doctors, accountants, you know, those, those sorts of individuals. And at the end of the day, you know, with the stroke of a pen, if you increase the capital gains inclusion rate, um, that has a real significant impact on um, on our estate values that are available to us in the event of a sale of a business or um, you know ultimately on passing and so so that's that's a, a real serious area of concern for many well yeah somebody's worked hard uh, you know their entire life uh, to build a business uh, you know our radio station is full of family-owned businesses who are advertising here car dealerships uh, you know uh, jewelers you, you name it and uh, I can't help but think that they want to protect, you know, that legacy that they've built uh, so many years building that uh, it would be taken away in large chunks uh, by improper estate planning. Is it different when you're dealing with an asset like a business as opposed to, say, a cash portfolio? In certain respects, it is. Um you know, from the context of the the options or the opportunities that that might be available to you, um, you know, when we're talking about something like a business, you know, the primary difference is that there's often a vision for that business. You know, sometimes it's sale, but very often a huge component of that is, look, you know, we're building this as a family business. 
the children have contributed, you know, spouses have contributed, and it's something that they want to see go on, particularly into the next generation. And so, you know, unlike an investment portfolio where if taxes have to be paid, you know, something's cashed in and, and taxes are paid, when it comes to the business, if you don't plan well, the tax bill can actually destroy the viability of the business. And so it's really important to think about how the business will transition to the next generation and also how the taxes will be paid. Because if at the end of the day, the cap, you know, the call on capital for taxation is, is great enough, there might not be a business to pass on. And that's, that's a real concern for, you know, for families that have contributed to the overall success. Well, uh, can I not uh, just give my business to my son or daughter? You can give it, but when you pass, there will be taxation. So if you, let, you know, it, let's assume that there's a growth of a million or $2 million in the value of that business during your lifetime, there's going to be capital gains on that growth. And so when you pass, Revenue Canada typically is not really going to wait to receive those funds. And so you need to come up with a plan to make sure that ultimately that debt can be serviced. Well, you don't want to take that worry with you to the grave. (laughs) You want to make sure you've got a proper estate plan and none better than the folks over at Macmillan Estate Planning, a national firm, very prestigious. They got some of the top people in that company working hard to make sure that your estate is uh, protected against all comers who are coming for that money. Chris Sabat, General Counsel, Macmillan Estate Planning, macmillanestate.com. You can call Chris directly, 1-833-266-6464, 1-833-266-6464. You're listening to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas. What strategies, Chris, do you recommend families should explore further in the current moment to help them mitigate or defer tax? Well, that's a That's a fantastic question. So when it comes to... You know, let's focus for a moment on those business owners or those individuals with a significant uh, investment portfolio. One option that's available is something that's that's called an estate freeze. And so when you think about an estate freeze, if you think about it from the perspective of the moment that you pass, your your investment portfolio is going to have a certain value or your business is going to have a certain value. And if you expect that that value will be higher because of of growth in the business or growth in the investment portfolio, sometimes what we can do is we can we can basically lock in or define the value of the business today and shift that growth onto the children or onto future generations. And the net effect of that is that when you know when the founder or the when the founder of the business or the owner of the portfolio passes the overall taxation that's associated with that is less. And so it's a way to, to really help to, to push value or to increase value of the overall estate for the benefit of the, the family. And it, it works quite well. So you're not, uh, you're not just rolling the pain down the hill. You're actually uh, minimizing uh, the tax implications or you're lessening the pain. It's not just, you know, it's the same pain. We're just going to pass it down uh, generation to generation. Uh, you're actually lessening uh, the impact as uh, you move forward and uh, make sure that your heirs are well taken care of. I think that's on the minds of most people today. We talked a little bit about COVID at the outset of this segment, uh, Chris. Uh, people are understanding more and more the mortality that or lack of it that we're now living in because this pandemic 
has taken so many loved ones, and um, it helps us rethink or reset a lot of buttons, not the least of which is uh, is my financial plan, my estate plan, my will, uh, everything in order. Uh, that's why we've invited Chris Sabat, General Counsel of Macmillan Estate Planning, to join us on this edition, macmillanestate.com, macmillanestate.com. MacmillanEstate.com, MacmillanEstate.com, with a reminder of a couple of virtual seminars with the good folks from Macmillan Estate. Wednesday, September the 16th at 5.30, and Wednesday, September the 30th at 5.30. Uh, you can register online. Of course, they are free seminars, and you can discuss some of your estate issues uh, with these experts from Macmillan Estate. MacmillanEstate.com is how you register for the virtual seminars. We encourage you to do it. Uh, there is no charge for that, and you get uh, the benefit of asking some real pros, uh, like Chris Sabat, General Counsel of Macmillan Estate Planning. Can you explain for us, uh, Chris, uh, a little bit more about some of the strategies, uh, what they entail, like the prescribed interest rate loan trust, for example, which I have not heard of before? Well, that's... Yeah, absolutely. That's a a great question. So the prescribed interest rate loan uh, planning technique, it's it's not a new technique, but it's a technique that's kind of back in vogue and many people are are talking about it. And the reason for that is that the Canada Revenue Agency lowered the prescribed interest rate back to 1%. And so suddenly it makes that technique that much more viable. And really what you're doing is you're taking... Um, you know, you're taking assets that are in the hands of typically a taxpayer at the highest tax rate. And through the use of a prescribed interest rate loan, those those funds are in essence being lent to other family members or quite often a trust that has other family members as beneficiaries who are in lower tax brackets. And so then what happens is when those funds that were lent to another individual or to a trust uh, generate income, it's in effect being taxed at a lower rate. So rather than going out in the market and say earning a million dollars and being taxed at the, at the top rate, you might actually be able to get to a place where you're being, your, your family as a unit is paying a much lower tax rate. And so it works quite well. And, and like I said, it, it's a technique that's been around for a long time, but suddenly that change in the prescribed interest rate um, has made it sort of viable again or, or quite beneficial again. Is it similar to income splitting that we see couples often do? It's basically the same thing. Uh, income splitting really, for the most part, is not an option that's available to families anymore, but this, this provides the same effect. Well, there are lots of uh, do's and don'ts when it comes to estate planning. One of the things you don't want to do is uh, hide under the mattress and wait for COVID to disappear and that your portfolio is is uh, going to be able to take the hit. In most cases, it will not be able to take that hit unless there is something called an estate freeze, which Chris Sabat, General Counsel of Macmillan Estate Planning, mentioned a little bit earlier on uh, this hour, uh, Chris, uh, when you mentioned estate freezes. What are those exactly? Well, in essence, an estate freeze is a way to to defer taxation. Um, You know, if I'll give you a really simple example, if you had uh, an investment account or if you had a business, let's assume its value is worth $10 million today, through the use of something like an estate freeze, if you either 
have a temporary drop in value or you anticipate a growth in value, and let's say the differential is $3 million, so maybe that the value of that business drops from $10 million to $7 million, or you expect it to grow by $3 million because it's doing well, what we can do is eliminate taxation on $3 million worth of capital gains. And so the net the net benefit of that is about $750,000 to the family. Um, you know, there, there's certainly a point at which the, the technique isn't necessarily viable. You know, you need to have a, a good, healthy, um, you know, sort of overall kind of net worth or, or value of your business or your investment account. But, you know, once you get to the point where it's maybe four or five million dollars, the technique can, can work quite well. So you're really attempting to control the asset. Is that what you're suggesting? Well, what you're doing is you're defining the taxation on death. And there's two advantages. One, any growth, there's no taxation on on that growth. And then the other is that if you know that the capital gains that will be imposed on passing is, is, you know, X, it's $5 million, then you can plan for how you'll satisfy that tax bill and not ultimately disrupt, you know, the transition of the business or or otherwise sort of impact your plans for your legacy because of the fact that you you just don't know what the taxation will be at the time of passing. Because most of us, we don't know when we'll pass, and we don't necessarily know the exact value of our assets when we do pass. And so this allows us to define that value. Well, isn't doesn't that just mean in another context uh, to keep a will up to date. Uh, I think most people who have a will, if you even have a will, you know, you probably haven't updated it in the last uh, several years. Uh, my understanding is a will should be updated every couple of years if there are significant changes. Is this something that you would suggest as well? Absolutely. So certainly your will should be updated, but I would say that your estate plan as a whole should be updated because really if you're estate planning well, we're not talking about the distribution of wealth. We're talking about building wealth and you're building wealth throughout the whole process. You know, really successful individuals, you see them start the process of estate planning even in their 30s and 40s. So, it you know, it's never too late to start, but it's really about building wealth. And a big part of that is minimizing taxation all along the way. I think there's a misconception or a myth as well, Chris, that estate planning is only for the uber wealthy. That That is not the case. I started estate planning many years ago when I had no money, and not that I have a whole lot more now, but I, I, I took careful note that, you know, I'm not an expert in money management, estate management. I need a professional to do it. And I think especially now as uh, retirees or if you're soon to be retired, you know, there are threats to our estate. Uh, you mentioned a lower appetite for risk from an investment perspective uh, for many nowadays, especially retirees or those soon to be retired. What estate planning strategies would you suggest for that particular group? Uh, well, for that for that group, I mean, absolutely right. So, so we, there is still a piece around the minimization of, of taxation, and you know, sometimes what it involves is even coming up with a with a, a sort of a very systematic approach to sort of withering down the value of our registered accounts. So, you know, the, the great thing about things like RSPs are that you know, of course, while you're contributing, you get that that tax deferral, you get that tax refund as you're contributing, but in the year of death or on death, 
if you have an account with any sort of a sizable amount in it at all, it's treated as income and it typically pushes you into the maximum tax bracket. So if you have a million dollar registered account, you know, you should anticipate something like $400,000 in taxes. And so for many retirees, there is a piece where you need to look at a strategy on how you sort of wither down the value of that account and minimize taxation because what you don't necessarily want is to have a very large balance on the date of death because because so much of that is going to is going to go directly to Revenue Canada. I would think people or most people who are soon to be retired or retired are um, in, from an investment point of view are looking at more conservative investments. Uh, I, I don't know of any estate planner or financial planner that would suggest to a retiree to take something high risk unless you're absolutely positively prepared to lose that money. Uh, what suggestions uh, in particular when you talk about whether you want to be high risk or conservative, what are you suggesting today, given the pandemic, given Mm, you know, uh, undefined job possibilities for retirees coming back to work, if they are to come back to work, uh, to sort of round out a portfolio. When we talk about a conservative portfolio, what exactly are we talking about? Well, so first of all, when you talk about a conservative portfolio, you're looking at, at something that, that um, you know, is, it's well-balanced. You know, typically individuals are looking at dividend-paying types of funds or, or stocks, but, you know, really when we're talking conservative, you know, a key part is to look at how we can minimize the risk to the overall portfolio value. And that's where many families are starting to w- turn towards investment options that involve principal or capital guarantees. And so the idea is really simple. You have the ability to put, let's say, a million dollars. It can be any number, but, you know, you, let's say you put a million dollars into the market there is a guarantee associated with that, that either on passing or on maturity, no matter what the market value happens to be, you'll at least receive your million dollars back. Now, of course, if there's growth, there's uh, at times the ability to kind of lock in that growth. So as it goes from a million to 1.1 million, you, you you can reset the floor. And the point of all of this is that you can take advantage of the market and see some growth, but you have some confidence that at the end of the day, you know, 25 or 30 percent of your investment isn't going to be eroded by some sort of a downturn in the market. And if that happens at the wrong moment, um, of course, that dramatically Im- impacts our retirement prospects and it dramatically impacts our estate value and, it, and you know, frustrates our goals and objectives. Well, I can't think of anything worse than to be retired and then um, by you know, sheer coincidence or a perfect storm like we're covering now with, um, you know, a variety of uh, crises on our doorstep that you would have to unretire and, you know, leave that uh, retirement dream behind for a few more years. That's why it's so critical uh, to have your estate fortified uh, in these times and none better to do it than the very prestigious national firm of Macmillan Estate, Macmillan Estate Planning. Chris Sabat, General Counsel for Macmillan Estate Planning, macmillanestate.com. Tell us quickly in the couple of minutes we've got left, you've got a couple of virtual seminars coming up September the 16th. That's a Wednesday at 5.30 and September September 30th, that also a Wednesday beginning at 5.30. What can one expect when they register online, Chris? Sure, absolutely. So so as far as the seminar goes, we typically spend about about 35 minutes talking about various 
estate planning techniques and, and opportunities. And so we'll focus on things like trust planning, some tax planning, um, you know, estate administration, particularly where individuals might have assets in more than one jurisdiction, you know, multiple provinces or countries, um, you know, uh, will planning, you know, really at a high level, all of the various techniques that might be applicable to, uh, you know, to a good segment of Canadian society. And these are at no cost, these uh, seminars as well. Uh, do you have a variety of colleagues? I haven't logged on to one yet. I'm looking forward to doing it uh, because my estate is as important to me as uh, another person's is to them. So <laughs> I want to make sure I'm fortified as well against uh, some of the onslaught of crises that uh, we are either in the midst of or potentially uh, coming. It's really critical to have your estate fortified. Uh, Chris, what are some of the other things I might be able to ask? Can I ask about wills, can power of attorney, uh, some of the Insurance Act uh, fortifications that I can use to uh, fortify my portfolio? I mean, uh, there's probably no limit as to what a person can get from you experts uh, during these seminars. Yeah, absolutely. So there's, you know, there's two really convenient options. Of course, you can you can email a question in advance, and then there's actually a sort of a, a live chat function, and questions can, can be submitted uh, through that chat function, and we'll do our best to to answer them all. But you know, at the end of the day, the other the other thing that we do offer is a complimentary consultation. And so, you know, if if someone would like to give us a call and discuss their particular circumstances and sort of how comprehensive estate planning may assist. We're always happy to, to take the call and to, uh, to provide some, some guidance to, to see whether or not some of the subjects that we discussed during the seminar will, will help a particular individual or family. Well, that call is toll-free at 1-833-266-6464, 1-833-266-6464, or you can log on to macmillanestate.com, register for those virtual seminars. Real pleasure always to speak with Chris Sabat, General Counsel, Macmillan Estate Planning, macmillanestate.com. You are listening to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas, back in a moment. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas. Time now for another edition. Ask Andrew. Andrew Ferreira, executive producer, Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I hope you got a few uh, kitty rides in this summer, Andrew, because I'm not sure about the future of the PNE. I was looking at an article the other day, the CNE in Toronto. Uh, doomsday scenario there. Yeah, it's it's not looking good. And, you know, given the current public health, you know, everything around it, generally people are not wanting to stand in line neck to neck in the hot sun for hours and hours. Not that I actually think that that's, you know, much of a good time anyway, but that's just me. Um, this is also hitting the PNE here in Vancouver. Uh, the PNE usually employs, you know, close to, you know, over 4,000 people. It's a good handful of jobs. So many people I know got their, you know, first jobs at the PE, you know, whether it be cooking pierogies or making mini donuts or, you know, or spinning cotton candy. They all did something. Um, in May, the PE projected that it could record a gross loss of $52 million. And the institution itself could uh, end the year almost $20 million in debt. And remember that this is a non nonprofit. $20 million in debt. And for a nonprofit, that could be very bad, to put it lightly. Uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was actually on with Global this week here in Vancouver to talk about this, and he touched a little bit. Um, 
on what was happening with the PNE. And this is what he said. This is a quote. We want to be part of the solution, but obviously there are a lot of different organizations and Canadians hurting across the country. And we have to try and be there as best as we can in a fair way. You know, I can't disagree with that. Um, I, I do think, you know, in the grand scheme of things, if something has to go, if the PNE ends up being a casualty of this in favor of something else, you know, like a food bank, another charity that, you know, really does, you know, put food on people's plates, put roofs over people's heads. If that's just a casualty, then so be it. But if this truly is the end of the line for the PNE, you know, that's a huge that's a huge deal. Uh, you know, you go anywhere that isn't the rest of Canada. Uh, and the PNE is summer for a lot of people. The PNE is, you know, all the memories and all of the fun that you have uh, sweating too much and forking over dollar bills in order to eat delicious mini donuts. Um, I would, well, I would think that would fall down the list of priorities. One of the things they might be eyeballing is is the real estate the PE sits on. I mean, if the PE does fold, they're sitting on, you know, several billion dollars worth of real estate to possibly develop into something that will make some money. Yeah, absolutely. And that's another thing. They might be seeing, you know, it's a vast swath of land. There's development potential. And oh, yeah. if there's one thing that Vancouver sorely needs, it's more housing. So on a scale of 10, 10 being uh, guaranteed to be back next year, uh, one being a uh, so long wooden roller coaster, where would you uh, put on a scale of 10 the future of the PE given what you have been researching? Well, if I have to take, if I have to, you know, take a shot in the dark here, I'm going to put it at a five. We don't know, you know, what exactly is going to happen in the coming months. There could be, you know, some last second, you know, funding injection. There could be some private donors. You never know. The PNE is a much loved institution. And as the most much loved institutions, and you know, you mentioned it earlier at the top of the show, uh, the aquarium isn't showing that it's completely invulnerable. It was boosted, but you know, it too is is on the brink. Uh, so maybe it is the death knell, and maybe it's not. And there's no real way for me or you or anyone really to know that right now, I think. We can all just kind of wring our hands and go, well, let's just hope it all turns out for the best. Well, I guess uh, everything counts on uh, when a vaccine is available and everybody is vaccinated and we return to quote unquote uh, normal if the PE, like other institutions, can hang on until everybody is vaccinated, then there is a glimmer of hope. But until then, everybody's hemorrhaging red and the governments, all three levels, are looking at. Uh, priorities and the PE, and uh, just like the CFL, uh, doesn't appear to be a priority. Andrew Ferrer, executive producer, Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Manny Bazunas. Back in a moment. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.